Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Not primarily be beneficial. It, it is beneficial, right? <laughs> We're thankful for the benefits of the gospel. And scripture even encourages us not to forget the benefits of, of, of um, our salvation, of knowing God. But we tend to make it a, a, a gospel of benefit, benefit rather than a gospel of transformation. And we spoke about how the gospel transforms us. And uh, uh, that's what we're going to continue looking at this evening. So it's both beneficial and transformational. Um, and spirituality, true spirituality is in our walk. It's not merely in what we believe. So it's like there's lots of people who believe in Jesus around the world. Sadly, it doesn't reflect in their lives. And sadly, it doesn't reflect in the world. You know, it's amazing for me how um, you can go into an area where there's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, and a lot of problems. <laughs> like it's all kind of like all together in the one, under one roof, in one, one area. And it shouldn't be like that. There's always going to be problems because people have free will and there's things uh, uh, that, that they choose to get involved in and, and they shouldn't. But the church should be making a difference. The church should be making a difference. What do I mean by that? I don't mean soup kitchens, although that's great. I'm not against soup kitchens. We've got missionaries in one of our campuses who have a soup kitchen. I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about change. The church should be changing the area that it's in because the people who are the church are changing. And then as they go and live in the world, they are taking change to the world. And not small change as in money, change as in the transformation of their life. What do I mean by that? We become love and we go and love outside. That's what Jesus intended for us. That, that's our calling. That's our purpose. And it's revealed, you know, maturity, true spirituality is revealed in how we treat difficult people out there. Amen? And in here. It's about, you know, if you think about it, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for the ungodly. So if Christ died for the ungodly, you know, and he gave himself, then, then, then that should kind of be a good example for us and how we should live when we encounter difficult and challenging people and circumstances. Imagine Jesus, you know, or God sitting back on his throne and saying, you know what, you irritate me. You get on my nerves, and uh, if you haven't changed by now, you're not going to change at all. There's no hope. You know, you would be just, we would be in trouble. We'd, be, we'd have been in big trouble. But the thing is, is love never fails. Love never gives up. Love is always hoping. Love is always wanting to, to make a change. Want, desiring, hoping to see something. So let me ask this question. What is the goal of your Christianity? What is the goal of your Christianity? Now, if you ask me 10, 15 years ago, and 10 years ago, and, five, and uh, five years ago, I may, I may have answered this a little bit differently. Um, because when we started Grace Life in 2010, our aim was to be, I remember even we, we came up with a nice slogan, I can't remember it all together, but it was something about like, we're just a nice community, not nice, I didn't say that, but that's what I intended. A nice community of believers, you know, we're gathering around the Word. We're just here to kind of grow in grace. And yes, we want to reach people and be a blessing, but we just, we just, we just had to be community. And then as we matured, we matured out of that. <laughs> and we became a community, which is very important, on a mission. And we realized there's more to it than just us having a nice little holy huddle, bless me club. We like that. It's nice. But, you know, it, it got really uncomfortable for some people when we started sending people and we became more of a sending church and uh, i remember just before that started happening one of our founding members someone who, who was instrumental in helping us get going coming and saying shane i really don't like the fact that we're growing so much like like i like our nice little community and i said then you're not going to last very long 
You know, but, but this is what God desires, is we would reach more people. She's like, yes, but I like just us. I was like, well, just, you know, stick with it. I knew she wasn't going to last long, and she didn't. Um, ironically, she went to a bigger church. But the goal, what is the goal of your Christianity? The goal of your Christianity is walking in love. It's living like Jesus, reflecting His glory, therefore bringing Him glory. That's the goal of our Christianity. It's knowing Him and making Him known. Okay? The goal of your Christianity is going to work with an attitude that, attitude that Jesus would have at work. Going into life that, with an attitude that Jesus would have in life. Going to the petrol station, going to the pharmacy, going to the whatever, with an attitude like Jesus would have so that people would encounter Jesus. Not the devil, which is what sometimes what they do encounter. Amen? Okay, there's two honest people. It's great. Yeah, the goal is to know Him and make Him known. This is how we know that we know Him. Okay? This is a tall order. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. It's just a, a, a snippet of Christian maturity. What, what we, what's possible for us? Okay? This is a snippet of, of what we could live like this is what maturity is. This is what the Christian life should be like. The night, like, it sounds like the Bible. On the night that he was betrayed. On the night he was betrayed, what did he do? He served them. He washed their feet. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, including Judas, and he knew what was inside of Judas. On the night that was, he was betrayed, he served them the last supper. <laughs> okay? Emphasis intentional and and he, he he ministered to them okay so this is how you know when you when you're starting to live like jesus it's not just when you heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out demons because i know people who do that i've done some of that and it's great we want that we want the world to see the power of god but you know what's even more impressive on the night that you're betrayed you don't phone your friend and cry about it which is what most of us would do, and it's okay to do that. I've been betrayed, so I understand it. It's difficult. It hurts. You know? I, I mean, I didn't even realize that I was carrying wounds from that kind of stuff for years until I had prophetic words about it. <laughs> Shane, I see a picture of you with arrows in your back. Arrows of betrayal. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I thought that that was years ago, but I, now I'm still carrying it. You know, so it, it's 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 um it's difficult. I'm not unsympathetic, but what I'm saying is maturity will not cry about it and live there. We'll deal with it and move on. Okay, I know that bless you, especially if you're online, because <laughs> I can't see your faces. But you know, and you know why you won't do that. We spoke about it last week. It's because you've already laid down your life. You've already decided that you'll agree with God and say, I'm dead. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So what's the goal? It's to know Him and to make Him known. What a privilege we have to know Him. That means we can, we can do life with Him. It means you need to make a, a decision on jobs. You can do that with Him. Where should I live? What should I do? Who should I marry? Whatever the case is, it's like you can live with Him and do it with Him and it can be more successful than if you were doing it on your own. It means that when you feel alone, you're not alone because you know Him. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil because He is with you. That's knowing Him. But the making Him known part is what we call fruit. Because now it's not just about what I say, it's about how I live and people seeing fruit in my life and saying, hey, I could use some of that. Can I have some encouragement, please? Can I have some love, Can I, kindness, patience, you know, whatever. Hey, I heard that, that um, uh, you prayed for so-and-so and they were healed. Can you pray for me, please? You know, that, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about making Him known. Knowing Him isn't always reflected by our serving at church. <laughs> Dramatic pause. 
Knowing him is not always reflected in feeding the hungry or giving the homeless showers or shelter. Why? Because unbelievers can do that too. All they need is some money and some compassion. They can sometimes do it better than we can. That's all good, but you know, we, 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 the only way to know that we really know Him is the fruit of love. True love. John 17 verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, we've turned eternal life into a prayer with benefits instead of a truth that transforms us. Christianity wasn't just a tick, I've done that, now I'm going to heaven. Tick, I've done that, now I can live this life that other people are living and uh, I'm part of a great club, a family around the world. It's, that's all beneficial and it's great, but it, it should be something that impacts us from the inside out and we start to change. You know, we need to be careful that we don't get seduced by religion. That we just choose to listen to things, sermons, and, and be part of groups and, and churches and things that make us just feel good. The gospel is the gospel of peace and joy, so it should make you feel good. But sometimes it's going to make you feel very uncomfortable. Because it exposes the... the um, I don't know how, how, what else to call it, but the darkness that might be trying to capture our hearts. And it exposes our selfishness. And it makes us feel uncomfortable because of it. But when we feel that discomfort, we must never feel condemned. We must feel motivated and, and challenged that, hey, I can, I can overcome this and I can make better decisions and, and I can live like Jesus because that's who, who's living inside of me. We, we, we must allow ourselves to be challenged so that we can go beyond where we are. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 from the New Living Translation says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. Amen? We'll ignore the next part there, so just, just pretend it's not there. We want to know Christ and we want to experience this mighty power that raised Him from the dead. Amen? Sounds like a, a, a good thing to preach. And, and, and to, to kind of declare every week, the next part I want to suffer with him and sharing in his death. It's not so important. But you know, that, that kind of shows us, you know, a, a lot of people would have just put dot, dot, dot <laughs> on the screen so that you don't see that part because you know, it might distract from the main intention of what we're trying to show you. But both are very important. The more you come to know Christ, the more persecution you'll experience. The more suffering you'll have. That's what it's talking about. The more you're going to suffer, the more intimate you are with Jesus. The more you know Him. The world's not going to like you. Some family members might not like you. Because truth is truth and you're standing for truth. I mean, I've had with, with some people that, that, you know, just to be in the same room of, with, in, as them and not even say anything is difficult. Because the way that we live speaks so loudly that it, 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 it irritates them. It frustrates them. And without us doing anything, saying anything except loving and just giving a hug and saying hi and how are you and all that, stop condemning me. Stop making me feel like I'm being judged. It's like, I didn't say anything. Like, what are, you, what are we talking about again? Have you experienced that? Like, that, that's just because our life speaks volumes. It's not because we said anything. It's because our, and our lives should speak. But here's the thing. Don't allow church attendance to take the place of knowing Him. Allow church attendance to help you to know Him more. That's why we come. It's not to please Him and to impress Him. It's for us to be impressed of Him. If that makes sense. You don't let your service and ministry take the place of knowing Him. Don't let your Christian t-shirt or your ring tone on your phone or your tattoo take the place of knowing Him. Sometimes we get a Christian culture about things and it's like, you know, oh wow, you know, I've got this, like, I, I don't know, I was somewhere once, I like coffee and the barrister, I don't know how, I, th I think it was actually Manukeh the one Friday. If you're a guy, please come to Manukeh on Friday mornings. Uh, uh, ask us for more information but he he knows we're doing a bible study and so he brought me a cup of coffee with a cross on it and i was like that's pretty cool but uh, because now he knows but at the same time 
I'm not the bumper sticker guy, so it doesn't matter for me. Like, my Christianity is not about the bumper sticker on my car or all those kind of things. It's fine to have those, but my, my, my Christianity is about knowing Him and making Him known. And if it takes a bumper sticker, that's fine, but we mustn't let that take the place of knowing Him. Like, listening to Christian music sometimes becomes better for us than listening to the voice of God. And I've said it before, but sometimes we worship worship rather than using music as a tool to be able to worship God. How do you know if you're worshiping worship? Well, if you're choosing a church according to the music, then that kind of shows it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 to 19, says a good tree produces good fruit. Everyone say good fruits. And a bad tree produces bad fruits. Everyone say bad fruit. You are more excited about the bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown to the fire. So the point I want to make here, look at it, it's, the focus is on the tree. But when we tend to read this, we focus on the fruit and not the root, the actual tree. The focus is on the tree. We mustn't look at this and hear the message that I gave last week and hear the message that I'm doing this week or any message ever in eternity and saying, you know, it's, it's, um, I need to change my fruit. We mustn't become fruit focused. Fruit is an indicator. Again, I drive my car and, you know, I, I see that the, the, the petrol tank flashing more regularly than I like. And I start singing, this little light of mine, you know, it starts flashing at me. And what do I do? I get a rock and I break it because I don't want to see that light. Or I get a piece of paper and I stick it over. What happens then? I end up with problem down the road because I should have paid attention to the indicator. The indicator tells me what's going on. No petrol in your tank. So go to the petrol station and put some in. Hey, it's Wednesday, double points, praise God. You know, do, you know like the, the indication will point you in the right direction. But let's, let's look at this. It says, a good tree produces good fruit. So, I'm pretty sure if I asked you to put up your hand, if you identify bad fruit in your life, majority of us would be honest and say, there's some fruit that I would love to change in my life. There's some fruit that I don't like in my life. Now, how do we deal with that? How do we change our fruit? Christianity 101, uh, uh, would, would, uh, in the religious sense, would, would show us now what you need to do is deal with this. Pray about this. Focus on this. Repent of this. Fast about this. Maybe so about this. I don't know. Do something about this, but do something. Like some of the things we've done, about, I've done about that growing up, long before Grace, uh, was we would take two chairs and uh, uh, this is too funny not to show you. You put another one like that and uh, there would be material over it. Have you done this one, uh, Jerusha? And uh, you, you, you would make this like tunnel and you put some cool worship music on and you make a whole list of all the bad fruit and things in your life that you're wanting to deal with. <laughs> and in order to deal with the bad fruit, now we're all fruit focused in this. You, you, you take it and you tear it up. I think, I don't know if you carried it through or if you put it at the, in the beginning, it doesn't matter. But at some point you tear it up and you put it in a little bowl that would eventually burn it. And you would get on your hands and knees and you'd crawl through the eye of the needle to get to the other side and then you'd be free from, I mean... <laughs> I've got lots of stories like that. And all I can say is Jesus set me free from religion. Because I was into it hectically. The one, I'm not going to go off uh, because I won't come back. The point is, is that we think things like this are going to help us. Focus, like I might have been extreme in Jerusha too. Uh, you know, on, on, on this kind of thing. And someone might be doing it still in the room. You, you don't have to. 
But, but like you, you might be wrapped up in religion like that and you don't need to because all you need to do is realize what's taken place when you became a Christian. That's where victory is. We think as Christians, victory is in getting on my hands and knees and being very sorry for my sin and crawling through this little... They would make it like windy as well. So it's not all that straightforward and easy to get to the other side. And it was different colored fabrics as well. So just like a really... <laughs> anyway, the point is, a good tree produces good fruit. So, are you a Christian, Tulega? Tulega is a Christian. Is there some bad fruit? There's some things that you want to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know there is. No, I'm joking. I, I, I couldn't tell you what it is, but I'm sure that there is. The thing is, is now, in order for Tulega to deal with the bad fruit... She doesn't deal with the bad fruit. She doesn't focus on the bad fruit. She doesn't have to say, I uh, need to, to pray about my bad fruit. Please pray with me about my bad fruit. Let's talk, let's talk about this bad fruit. And, and then I need to go and talk for hours about my bad fruit to, to the pastor and get him to try and you know, cast out the bad fruit and, and all of this type of stuff. All she needs to do is realize she's a good tree. And when she realizes she's a good tree, then she can start to produce good fruit. The bad fruit didn't come from the good tree. If I walk... Okay, what's a bad fruit for you? Someone got a bad fruit. Something you don't like. Melon. melon. Uh, I'm going to mess up this one. But melon, let's say, say, say melon is a bad fruit. It's not... Some people like it. But let's say you're walking up past an apple tree and you see melons on the apple tree. You see melons on the apple tree. It can't be there. It'll fall off. But even if it's, if it's apple trees it's, it, it, and it's like a bad apples, it, it's kind of like it's a problem with the tree, right? The thing you've got to realize as a believer, you're a good tree, there's nothing wrong with you. you just, you're just focusing on what the world, the devil, or your conscience is putting on you. Because Jesus didn't put that on you. We're not focused on who we are. Because we're not living in the Spirit. See, we'll get there now, but uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 to 4, New Living Translation says, Think about uh, things of heaven, not on things of earth, for you have died to this life. This is the key to success, realizing you've died to this life. And so now you start thinking about things of heaven, not on things on earth. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. I don't usually quote verse 4 there. You'll see why I will in a moment. But what I want you to see here is that this is where successful Christian living is. This is where success in dealing with bad fruit is. It's in realizing I'm dead. And my real life is with Christ in God. The Passion puts it like this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why you are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and feast your thoughts. Uh, fill your thoughts, sorry, with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Verse 2 is so key. Okay? Fix your thoughts on heavenly realities. What are those heavenly realities that we shouldn't be distracted from? Verse uh, 3. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away with Christ in God. That's the heavenly reality you need to be focused on. Verse 4. And as Christ Himself is seen for who He really is... Who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with Him in His glory. So what this is saying is in reality, Christ is going to be revealed through you. We kind of have this, this idea that Christ is going to be revealed apart from us. The church needs to wake up and realize that Christ can only be revealed to the world in us. Because that's where He is. And for that to take place, we have to realize the heavenly realities that need to capture our hearts and our focus. This is, about, this is all about living in the Spirit. Living from our new identity as Christians. 
Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away. Uh, the new is, uh, uh, behold, the new has come. So it's like when you became a Christian, you became new. Okay, it's called being born again or rebirth. It's called being born again. How does it happen? I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to make me right with God. And now I confess that Jesus is my Lord. If you've never done that, we'll love to pray with you after the service. But that's what, how we become born again. It's by believing. Okay? It's not through some kind of intellectual game. It's not through mental ascent. It's not through some kind of mind game. It's, it's not a religion. It's not a new way of life. It is a rebirth. It's a new life. Not a new way of life. Okay? It's Christ living in you. That should kind of produce some change. That should do something outside of us, not just inside of us. There's this mentality, some of us have older family members who, who, who may have come from this kind of thought, that, you know, faith is something private. You don't talk about faith and politics, but especially like religion and things like that, it's a private matter. If your faith is a private matter, I question your salvation. Why? Because salvation needs to be seen, not to be saved. <laughs> but because we're saved and we're not, we, we, we're, not, we're, like, we're not holding Jesus in a little box within us and going, thank you, Father, I'm going to see you one day. It's kind of like, I can't keep Jesus in me. The more I realize he's in me, I'm going to let him out and show the world. That's the true light that we should let shine. Amen? 1 John 5, verse 1 and then 4 to 5, New Living Translation says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, has, been born of, has become a child of God. So this is saying that you just believe that Jesus is the same one, the Messiah, and you become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And this is the fruit of being born of God. The Bible says God is love. So this is the fruit of being born of love is that you love. You love the, the family of God. You love the, 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 the world like God does. For God so loved the world. Verse 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So everything produces after its own kind. A dog gives birth to her. Okay, we're getting somewhere. A cat gives birth to her. A katsa gives birth to her. A kitten, that's good. A human gives birth to her. A human, a baby. A chicken gives birth to her. Egg, no one's fooling you. It's good. We're born of God. We have His DNA inside of us. You know what the DNA is? It's the Spirit of God. Because the moment we say yes to Jesus, His DNA, His Spirit comes and lives within us. The Spirit of God. And now that causes us, enables us to live like Him. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, The person who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. So the, 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 the Spirit comes to dwell in us. We become one with Him. United forever together. Never to be separated. What God has united, let no man separate. That's what he's really talking about when Jesus said that. Not just marriage. He's talking about our union with Him. Okay? But we're not talking about that now. 1 Corinthians 6.17 goes on to verse 18 and 19, which says, Run from sexual sin. It's, a, you know, it's amazing, because think about it now. He that is joined unto the Lord. We usually use that verse in isolation and talk about our oneness with Christ. But this is the reason not to sin. Because we're one with God. So because we're one with God, and the more you're focused on, on your oneness with God, you will run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. This is powerful. Because you know what 
what it's saying that we don't say when we read these verses. What do we, we, we think about things when we read this verse and we don't think about things. For a long time, what I didn't think about was that Paul is speaking to people in, in sexual sin. And he's saying, don't you know God lives in you? And yet the church has this mentality of, as soon as you're in some kind of sin, no matter what it is, God's gone. That can never happen. God doesn't leave you because you make a mistake. He said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. That word one means you're one together forever. It cannot be separated. Even when you're in sexual sin. And I'm not promoting sexual sin, obviously. So even in sexual sin, God's not fleeing. You should flee sexual sin because you realize who you are. If you ever struggle with that, before you go for it, think about, and just, just maybe get onto your knees with whoever you're going to, to commit sexual sin with and just start praising God. <laughs> just start thanking Him for His presence. Thank you, Father, that we're one with you. Thank you, Father, that you're here. Your power and your majesty and your glory are in this place. And we just welcome you here. I mean, imagine what would happen. I forgot about this, but years back, years back, I... Uh, um, I can't even remember. This was in the 90s when I was in high school. I remember but someone offering me drugs and stuff. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I started doing that. <laughs> Father, I pray for this guy. In the name of Jesus, I started praying for him and out loud. And he was trying to talk to me and I just went louder. Until he left and then it was fine. You know. <laughs> but I was like, you know, maybe not the best way to handle it, but it stopped it. Yeah. Having God live in us, realizing that He lives in us, should cause a change in us. Jesus didn't die on a cross just to take us to heaven. He died on the cross so that He could come and dwell in us. And eternal life is Him living in us. That's a relationship, friendship, intimacy with Him for eternity. Imagine your worst day, He's still there. Your, your, your toughest battles, He's there to walk with you. Salvation is about Jesus putting His life in you and giving you a purpose. Making you one with Him. One with eternity. Think about it. You're one with eternal life. That has to change something if you know that. So many Christians are one with eternal life, but they don't know it. What they know is... I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah. That's all they know. And they're thankful and that's good. But then they live at the level that they know. Have you ever thought of that? Right now, you are living at the level that you know. You can't live beyond what you know. Faith is based on knowledge. And so your faith can't go beyond what you know. can never go beyond what you know. If you don't know it's possible, then how, how do you know to believe for it? The moment we say yes to Jesus, our nature changes, our identity changes, and now we're not trying to live for Jesus. That's religion. If you're trying to live for Jesus, stop it. <laughs> okay, we're not trying to live for him. We're now realizing what happened to us and we're saying, yes, Lord. That's the Christian life. It's easy. It's just, yes, Lord. And then we're starting to live from our new reality, which is Christ lives in me. I don't have to do this alone. You're faced with something. I don't have to do this alone. Jesus lives in me. Uh, Let's go to Romans chapter 6. There's a couple of verses here which really echo this whole idea of um, uh, identity. What, we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now what's interesting there is when you, the, the, the gospel is the message of grace. Grace is unconditional, it, it, it's, I'm sorry, unmerited, undeserved, unfavored. Grace is, you get it, you didn't deserve it. It's yours, you don't, you didn't earn it. God's favor 
that you didn't have to purchase or deserve or earn or anything. And how much grace is there? You, you can never exhaust God's grace. So you're forgiven before you did the stupid that you're going to do tomorrow. You know, it's, it's like you're forgiven. That usually like then people, when you start to focus on grace like that, oh yes, but we, we, let's just slow down a moment. Like because if you speak like that, people will go and live in sin. Now, if you really have a revelation of you're forgiven completely, past, present, future, you're completely forgiven. If you have a revelation on that, it'll cause you not to live in sin because you, you won't want to. Because a revelation of the gospel is, is a revelation of what the gospel did to you, which is a revelation that you've changed, that you've got a righteous nature now, and that nature inside of you has changed your want to. Before you got born again, you want to do whatever you want to do. Now, salvation would change your want to, and now it's like, I want to do what He wants me to do. I've, 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 I've dealt with a lot of people, and I don't know what your testimony or experience are, is of this, but it's amazing to me <clears throat> how, how sinners don't feel sorry for things, unless they have a conscience because they grew up in church or something. Okay? But they just, they, they, they live the way they want to, and they, that's the way that I live, it's my choice. Now their conscience might dictate a little bit otherwise and they deal with that conflict and that's fine. But a, a Christian, especially someone who's just newly born again, they, 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 they'll cry because they, 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 they made a mistake. And they like, you, you, you know it, you make a mistake, you sin, and there's just this conflict of, I really don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I'm failing God. And that remorse that you're experiencing is such an indicate, it's a beautiful indication of your heart. It's showing that there's a purity in there that doesn't want to live like that. Your want to has changed, even if you're not following through on your want to yet. It's a good indication. So rejoice at your remorse. <laughs> Amen. But what this is saying is that, you know, that the people will be like, okay, so because of grace, can I just go live in sin? Paul answers it and he says, certainly not. In the King James, he says, God forbid. And you know, the reason he gives for that is, how shall we who are dead to sin live in it any longer? Did you know that you are dead to sin? Most people don't realize that, most Christians, because they feel the power of sin. But this verse clearly says, sin is dead. Or you're dead to sin. Okay, you are dead to sin. And so the question is, how can you live any longer in it? You're a hypocrite if you do. It's inconsistent with your new nature. That's why you don't do it. You have a new identity and that's why you should live right. Because it's in harmony. As a Christian, it's easier for us to be holy than it is not to. We don't think like that. Because often from the pulpit, it's not said like that. Most times at the pulpit, it's like, it's difficult to be a Christian. It's so hard to be a Christian. Like, you're going to have to resist sin. You're going to have to fight sin. And the beauty of it is the gospel says Jesus fought sin for you. Now you're dead to it. So now just, if you know that, you're free. It carries on there. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Point of order. <laughs> okay. Baptized, take water out of your mind. Because this doesn't mean water. Okay. If you go look it up, many uh, uh, Bible commentators will agree with what I'm saying here. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about being baptized into Christ. So that's talking about salvation. When you receive Christ, you're baptized into Him. Now you're one with Him. Before you even touch the water. Okay? So this has nothing to do with water. It's talking about salvation. Don't you know that as many of us who were saved, baptized into Christ, became one with Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. Just that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So what I want to pull out here is say this firstly. If your view is that your, uh, uh, um, uh, this is talking about water, 
then you've got a lot of problems in these verses. Because that means your salvation isn't complete. Salvation isn't complete without water. But your salvation is complete without water. Water is really just an expression. Okay? But this is showing us that, that in, in, in the baptism of, uh, into Christ, which is salvation, you died to sin. You identified with Christ's... And this was what John the Baptist's baptism was. It was a prophetic picture of what Jesus would do through the Spirit. Jesus himself said, I baptize you with... Wait, no, no, wait. Let's say, John baptized you with water unto repentance. I baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now what he's saying there is that the, the, the picture of baptism that John had was a prophetic picture of what he would do and fulfill. And that is that now you died to sin and you were raised to a new life. So the moment you say, then this is why salvation, or the, let me say it like this rather, this is why Christianity is so weak in so many places around the world. Because we, we represent a weak Christianity to people where they just respond weakly to the gospel and they think that now it's just a weekly religion of come on a Sunday. Did you see how I changed that? You, you saw that. And it just becomes something very, very, very loose. When somebody needs to understand, I'm not just saying, yes, I, I, I believe Jesus died for my sin. And now they're kind of like part of this new group trying to see how they can fit in and learn more. It's like, no, 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 no. If you make this decision now, God Almighty comes to live in you and you become one with Him. You don't have to understand all of that, but you need to know what's going to take place. What's going to happen to you is not just up here. It's, it's all of you. Are you really ready to believe this gospel? That Jesus died, rose from the dead, went to heaven and sent His Spirit so that He could be one with you forever. And so that you could have eternal life, Him living in you, and you could know Him forever. That's what this is talking about. Verse 5 and seven, uh, to 7. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. So now we've died to, uh, to, to, to sin with Christ. Now we've been raised with Him. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified. So how do we live in the likeness of His resurrection? It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Who's died in this picture? In this paragraph, this chapter? Who's died? The Christian. You've died. If you're a Christian, it's saying that you've died. What does that mean? You're freed from sin. This is where victory came for me, is when I realized I was dead to sin. I was like, hey, I've been struggling with this for so long, trying to get free from this, waiting for the guy, the man of God, to come to town and wave his hand over me and do some charismatic, you know, um, whatever over me, and uh, then set me free. And, you know, I went through all of that, and it's like I wasn't free. Why wasn't I free? Because I didn't know this. I didn't know that... Uh, my old man has been crucified. I thought my old man was still living in me. The sinner. I thought I was still battling the sinner in me. I thought I was still struggling with this black dog inside of me. You know, I don't know if you've heard this. You've got a black dog in here and a white dog. And they're constantly fighting. Which one wins? They say the one that you feed the most. But the problem is the black dog's dead. So you can feed the black dog as much as you want and nothing's going to happen. The one that wins is the one that you want to win in your head because you decided which one. The Spirit only has power over you and influence in your life if you decide. You've got to let... Walking in the Spirit is allowing the Spirit's rule and reign in your life. Okay, there's lots that we're skipping over in all of this, but uh, go to verse 8. If we died with Christ, which we did... We believe we shall also live with Him. How do we live with Him? Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. So now this is what we should be doing. Consider yourself, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. Don't let allow sin to reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, sin, sin shall not have dominion over you, control over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So I'm not controlled or dominated by sin because I've got the Spirit of God living in me because I'm a child of God. And now the Spirit of God has influence in me. He's influencing me and I'm yielding to that influence. That's what this is saying. But throughout this chapter, you'll see you're dead to sin. Why don't we live in sin? Because it's, you're dead to it. You're, you've got a new nature. It's a righteous nature. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. The first part of that verse. If we live in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit means saved. Okay? If you're saved, you live in the Spirit. But you might not be walking in the Spirit. Or living from the Spirit. That's the key. As Christians, we live in the Spirit. Now, the, the encouragement from the Bible is, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us live out who we are because of the Spirit of God in us. You know, so many people go to church and they're still discouraged. Why? It's not because the sermon wasn't entertaining enough. It's not because the pastor didn't preach a good enough sermon. Maybe in some places. I don't know. But the point that I'm trying to make is that it's, it, it, most people are Christians for decades and they're still discouraged. They're still defeated because they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what happened to them when they said yes to Jesus and they became a Christian. That's it. There's no other reason. It's not because the devil's strong and the devil's attacking them and the devil's on their case. It's 100% because they don't know who they are in Christ. That's, it's never any other reason. You think you know, but you don't. Okay? That, 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 that's the easiest answer to that. We're discouraged because we're focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on our circumstances. We're focusing on what it's costing us. We're focusing on because we have to do this. We have to do that. But we're not focusing on our true identity in Christ. A lot of the issues that we have as believers would be sorted out if we simply stepped into freedom from ourselves. And we realized I'm dead. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And that's where victory is. The big, this is the biggest deliverance you'll ever see. This is the only one that you need. Galatians 2.20, New Living. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So now I, I, live, this life, this, this, the, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. All we need to do is agree with His Word. We need to start to believe what His Word says about us. We need to decide, I wasn't made for animosity. I wasn't made for to, to be right. I was made right. I wasn't made to, to uh, 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 fight with people. I was made to love. I was made to be a peacemaker. It's not weakness. It's not being a pushover. It's Christianity. You know, we, 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 so many people say that they're a Christian, and then they define that. I'm a Christian. I, uh, 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 I love Jesus. Don't know who he is, but I love Jesus. Don't know what he did for me, but I love Jesus. I go to church, maybe even every week, and, and then they define their Christianity. You can't define your Christianity. He does. In the Word, He decides what it is. You can't. And yet some people are like, this is just the way I express my Christianity. The Bible will show you how to express your Christianity. You don't have a choice in the matter. You know, Christianity is eternal life. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and you get to enjoy that forever. You get to enjoy relationship with Him forever. He's never leaving you. He's never forsaking you. He's one with you. And then you, you start to see the outworking of that. I've got Jesus living inside of me. When it comes to sickness, He's the healer. And I'm one with Him. 
I'm not the woman with the issue of blood trying to reach out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment because I've got the healer dwelling in me now and I need to simply awaken to the reality of the healer lives in me. And then just, I just invite that power just to flow in my body and in my life and heal the broken places, restore me to perfect health. That's just in the one area. But we've got to get into the Word and we've got to take what the Word says about us and start to make that our default. Okay? Because this is how we start to live the Christian life. For me, this was the most difficult thing. Because I was up and down like a yo-yo and side to side and my emotions were all over the place. It was like everywhere. Everywhere. I was like... I tried to contain it and, and, and people couldn't see it, but I was all over the place. So, uh, you know, what, what was one of the results of that? I didn't have many friends. <laughs> because you start to be needy. You start to, you know, you start to, to be more like um, what you're focused on yourself, so you're self-centered. And then it's more about, you didn't treat me right. We, we need to have a talk about this. And then, like, we need to sort this out because that's not how... You, and, and you know what? This set me free because my life didn't become about me. It became about Christ in me. But the difficulty was in starting to de- believe what, who I am in Christ by, by studying it, by, by getting it into my heart. And then when I felt like a moron, for an, ex- for an example, I had to kind of tell myself, you're not a moron. God accepts you. God loves you. Hey, people don't want to hang out with you. They don't want to choose you. Hey, God chooses me. He's always got to hang out with me, whether he wants to or not. He wants to. He wants to, okay? He wants to. So, you know, it's just a case of starting to change our thinking, renew our minds, and think like God thinks about us. Okay, I did this at the conference we had two weeks back, and I'm going to do it again now. And if you want this, just message me, WhatsApp me, and I'll send it to you. But I want to read out to you who you are in Christ. So you might want to close your eyes. You might want to just listen to it. What jumps out for you? Write it down. Make a note of it. But you'll never remember everything. So please ask me if you want this. Okay? We'll bring some printed copies next week. I am a precious... Now, I have to say this again. It says I'm a precious woman or man. I know who I am. Amen? You know who you are, so you contextualize it for yourself. I'm saying it for the benefit of all of us. I am a precious man or woman of great value and worth because Jesus, the King of Kings, died and paid a great price for me. I am a royal son or daughter, for I have a crown of glory and honor on my head, and I am wearing Jesus' royal robes of righteousness. And there's scripture verses next to all of this. God accepts me and approves of me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is now no condemnation for me in Christ. Therefore, I accept myself and I love who I am and the way I am made. Father, I am who you say I am. I am called by God. I was chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be set apart for him. I am God's child. I am born again of incorruptible seed, of the living word of God that endures forever. I am forgiven of all my sins, and the blood of Jesus has washed away my guilt and shame. I am a new creation in Christ. I am holy and blameless in God's sight, even above reproach before Him in love. I am the righteousness of God, which means that I am approved acceptable and in right relationship with him i have full access to the father and because i am in christ and christ is in me i live in his presence fearlessly confidently and boldly i am blessed and i am god's favorite i am the apple of his eye and my name is inscribed on the palm of his hand i am stamped with the seal of the holy spirit I am established to the end. I am being changed into His image. And He who begun a good work in me will bring it to completion. I am God's workmanship, recreated in Christ for good works. 
I am an ambassador for Christ. I am complete in Him. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. God Himself lives in me. I have the mind of Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ and He has qualified me to share in His inheritance. I am redeemed from the curse of the law and the promise of the Spirit. The blessing of Abraham is now mine. I am redeemed from my futile way of life inherited from the tradition of my forefathers and I am purchased with the precious blood of Christ. I have been delivered from the control and dominion of the devil and have been translated into God's kingdom of light. I am set free. I am dead to sin. I am alive with God. I am raised up with Christ and am seated uh, with Him in heavenly places. Because I am born of God, the evil one cannot touch me. I have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. I am a partaker of His divine nature. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. I am firmly rooted, built up and established in my faith. I have faith that can move mountains. Father, I can do what you say I can do. I am victorious. I'm a victorious overcomer. I'm a mighty woman or man of valor, a champion overcoming warrior who possesses dignity and honor. I am more than a conqueror. All circumstances are under my feet. In all things, I gain surpassing victory. And in all things, God leads me to triumph in Christ. Through my union with God, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Everything I put uh, to, uh, my hand to prospers. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. Because I believe in, lean on, trust on, and rely on God, I can do the things that Jesus did, and greater things will I do. For his spirit within me knows no limits. Therefore, I believe that all things are possible, and I will not limit the Holy One who lives in me. Last paragraph. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. So every place I go, and in all that I do, I do it in the power of the Spirit. I have power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, each and every one, and at my command. In the name of Jesus, all demonic powers are cast out and all people are set free. I have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Or as Jesus is, so am I in this world. And the immeasurable, unlimited, and, unsur and surpassing power of God is on the inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Now, that's all scripture. That's all what God thinks about you. And I'm sure at some point you might be going, that doesn't sound like me. I don't feel like that. I want to be like that. I long to live like that. Now, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So, whether you feel this or not, it's true. Whether you feel this or not, it's true. Whether you see this or not, if you said yes to Jesus, this is who you are. Now, you just need to convince yourself. So, Father, I pray for every single one of us that we would start to choose to walk by faith, walk by what your word says, and not walk by what we feel, not walk by what we see, that we would become more and more familiar with Christ in us, that we would become more and more familiar, and, 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 and make that, may this become our default, who we are in Christ, because we're new creations, that the Spirit of Almighty God dwells in us and is empowering us to live Thank you, Father, that we don't have to try and become this. We just have to discover this and believe it. And so for each one here, I thank you, Father, that uh, this week, as we choose to believe these things, we're going to see breakthroughs in our lives. I, I even have a picture uh, like of, of a number of you. you. You're facing challenges. I see somebody, you've got a, a challenge with regards to 
family stuff. You know, and, and there's other challenges in, in the room, I know. But, and I just see that as you, you, you're just focusing in on who you are in Christ, as you're focusing in on these truths, it's like those challenges are going to become just like weak. They, 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 they're going to become insignificant. Because you're, you're holding on to the real thing. Thank you, Father, that we will not be moved or allow anything to move us except what you say about us. And that when people try and tell us otherwise, we won't be offended at them. We won't lash out at them. But we'll just politely disagree because we know better. And we're choosing your opinion over theirs. Father, I thank you that this week we're going to see breakthrough in people's lives, in situations, because we're awakening to the reality of what Christianity is. How you've changed us. And we're going to start living like this, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.